Another question from the fine listeners and supporters of Free Domain, the world's largest and most popular philosophy show. 700 plus million views and downloads. 10 books, 10 million book downloads and three full-length documentaries, the whole shebang. So it really is amazing how much we are conditioned to think, well, something has to be done, then it has to be organized. And if it's not organized, then it's just not going to happen. I guess this is kind of like, it's a parent-child thing, right? You're out with your family, lazing around, and if nobody plans anything, nothing really gets uh, done. And, of course, when we're kids... Well, it's funny because when I was a kid, I experienced both really central coercive control and also the glorious anarchy of an unstructured childhood. Because I had a claws-off kind of mother, then I would just be out roaming the neighborhood with a bunch of other kids, and we'd be negotiating, figuring out what to do, and we had no money and all of that. And I remember a guy I worked with saying how now, every time you want to do anything with your kids, it's like 50 bucks, boom, right there. You go to a laser tag, boom, 50 bucks. Go to an arcade, boom, 50 bucks. Go to a movie, boom, 50 bucks. Well, there weren't no 50 bucks when I was a kid, kids. <laughs> and you just had to figure out what you do, and you end up with your... Adam Sandler bike of many colors because it's all pulled together from various things found in the garbage and you end up with your pram wheel go-karts uh, nailed together with things sticking out and all kinds of terrible things. And so because we had no money and we had no structure, we just had to go and organize things ourselves. We organized soccer games, organized tags, organized expeditions. I was part of a bike gang. I remember sitting out front of the Don Mills Mall, out back of the Don Mills Mall for like an hour trying to figure out the name of our bike gang. That was our deal when we were 11, right? So the question came to me, and it was this. Oh, Steph. Oh, Steph. Let me ask you a question. The question is, we've got all this property in the hands of the state all the parklands, all of the government buildings, all of the government resources, everything that the government owns. How on earth are we going to efficiently allocate those resources to the free market? Who on earth is going to get to own all of this government stuff, right? And again, I sympathize. I really do. Because I was almost dragged into this by the premise, right? And the premise is, well, you've got a whole bunch of things owned by a fictitious entity called the state, if we have a stateless society, how on earth are you going to get these pro this property into the hands of private citizens, the free market, whatever, right? Now, the way it's tended to run in the past, I'm thinking in particular of the sort of former Soviet Union countries, is that the government sells it off to a bunch of semi-bribery-based oligarchs and everyone kind of gets hosed and all that. But I would submit or suggest the three-part answer I gave two podcasts ago, which is A, I don't know, B, I don't care, and C, people will figure it out. How do we get all of this stuff from the hands of the government into the hands of the people? Don't know, don't care, people will figure it out. Now, for those of you who would like a slightly more fleshed-out answer so I don't end up doing it in a series of minute-and-a-half podcasts, 
Well, it's a cycle of civilizational thing. Cycle of civilization. Cycle of civilization goes something like this. When you have a state, when you have a government, you have freedom, economic freedom in particular, and what that does, economic freedom sweeps and gathers the means of production into the hands of the most productive. Boom! Should we try it again? <laughs> Let's do it again. Economic freedom sweeps control of the means of production into the hands of the most productive. That's where the wealth comes from. If you're really good at growing crops, you can bid more money for crops. Right? So you can bid more money for land because you can produce twice what the other guy can produce. So instead of bidding $100 an acre, you can bid $150, $175, maybe even $200 an acre. You can still make money. So because those who are the most productive can bid the most for the resources, the most productive gain control of those resources. This produces a massive amount of two things. One is wealth and the other is resentment. One is wealth and the other is resentment. So you think of Bob and Doug, right? So Bob is really good at farming and Doug is really bad at farming. Now, why Doug is bad at farming is not particularly important. Maybe he's lazy. Maybe he's not that smart. Maybe he's not that ambitious. Maybe he wants to be a dancer and he spends all his time on his plies rather than his cornfields. It doesn't really matter. He's just not that good at farming. He's just not cut out for it. It's not his thing. You know, like when I was a teenager, like most teenagers, I picked up a guitar and learned a couple of songs because I'd done 10 years of violin, so I knew I could read music and, and knew music fairly well. And I was not Brian Adams played it till my fingers bled kind of guy. I wasn't Eric Clapton pick it up and just pick along to the radio for four hours a day. It just wasn't my thing. I generally learn much better when I'm not being taught. And uh, I try to... And, and then the other thing I tried to do was I tried to learn songs on a guitar way outside of my vocal range and just didn't work out. So anyway, my cozy octave and a half, <laughs> whatever, it's not very good. So it's just not his thing. So Bob's really good at farming, Doug's really bad at farming. So what happens is Doug ends up going into debt, he ends up with his crops failing, he's just, you know, he's, he's, he's bad. And then one or two things happen. You could say three, but the abandoning the property is pretty low. But the bank forecloses on Doug's farm because he's bad at farming. And then Bob comes along, swoops in, offers the best price, and then gains control of Doug's farm, right? Or Doug himself, having Doug himself, so to speak, into a massive pile of debt, he ends up going to talk to Bob or, or putting his farm directly. It's not been taken over by the farm, by the bank, but he puts his farm on the market and Bob comes along and outbids everyone else because he's the most productive guy. He's got proof and people will lend him the most even if he doesn't have the capital himself. He says, man, look at my productivity. Lend me the capital. The bank's like, sure. Whoever investors, right? So Bob ends up with Doug's farm. Now, then two people come along to Doug, right? One person comes along and says, you know what? I'm sorry this happened to you, man. I really, this is tough, right? You've, but not everyone's cut out to be a farmer. You've got some money. You can go pursue your dreams of being a dancer. 
or an Etch-a-Sketch artist or whatever the hell is going on in your yearning, burning gristle bones, you can go and find your bliss somewhere else. But Bob works like crazy at being a farmer. He's crazy productive, and it's just not your thing. It's not your thing. Plus, here's another thing, too. Because Bob now has your farm, two or three or four times, and sometimes it's like ten times as much productivity is coming out of your farm as used to, so that's driving down the price of food. That's really, really good for society. Like it's, I hate to say it may not be great for you, but it's good for society as a whole that Bob has your farm because he's able to wring 10 times more food out of your farm than you are. And that means that fewer people need to be farmers. And that means that they go to the cities and then people can employ them and the food is cheaper. So it's good for the economy as a whole. You're going to end up doing something else that's more suited to you, that's better for you. And... Difficult to transition, though it is, it's, it's better, it's healthier. You have to admit, whether you like it or not, Bob is a way better farmer than you, right? When Queen went looking for a new singer, they did not knock upon my door. And I can't blame them, because Adam Lambert has a glorious voice and a fairly good stage presence. Kind of gay, but... <laughs> Freddie was butch gay, but anyway. So... You know, Queen is better off with Adam Lambert, obviously. And if they had chosen me, people wouldn't be coming to the Queen shows, right? <laughs> you understand? Not that I was ever in the offering. It's just, it's just a, uh, a way of looking at it, right? So it's better for everyone that I'm not doing it. And it's better for everyone that Doug does not control his farm anymore, but Bob does. It's just better. And that's one person, right? And that's the hard, bitter, mature adult real truth that is going to be said. Now, Doug, of course, is stung in his vanity. He's stung in his fear of his desire for success. He's failed. He's failed at being a farmer. And when you fail at something, and trust me, I have failed at a lot of things in this life. But when you failed at something, wisdom and vanity vie with each other in very harsh ways, right? So the wisdom is, okay, maybe I didn't work hard enough. Uh, maybe it wasn't really for me. Uh, maybe I wanted to do this thing because of some external reward rather than the internal reward. I mean, I remember when I, uh, I went to theater school and studied acting and uh, playwriting. And they, the acting, they're like, dude, forget the playwriting. You're a really good actor and, and all of that. Until they realized that I was anti-communist. And then they loathed me with the passion of a burning red hot red suns. But... I remember wrestling with, oh, I want to be an actor, but I like writing. I want to be an actor, but I like writing. And a friend of mine said, look, it's not that hard to figure out. I'm like, <laughs> tell me. He says, look, when you come home, when you got some spare time, what do you do? I said, well, I sit down and write. He's like, well, why don't you study accents? Why don't you learn monologues? Why don't you learn sword fighting? Why don't you learn dance? Why don't you learn how to sing better or whatever, so that you can be an actor who can sing, dance, and act, right? Who does accents and like all of these and, and who studied major roles. And why don't you learn Hamlet? So if you play Hamlet, you'll already be set. And I'm like, I'd rather write. <laughs> so why did I want to be an actor? Because being an actor, you know, there's an old saying, how do you give an actor CPR applause? <laughs> just, just clap. The actor will come back to life. And... Acting is great because you're out there on the stage, you get the immediate feedback, and 
everybody loves you and they laugh when you do comedy and they cry when you do tragedy and it's they're looking at you whereas the writer is a solitary occupation nobody's looking at you and you know maybe you'll get some feedback later but it's pretty it's a pretty isolated kind of thing so part of me just wanted the public applause and public praise and i'm sort of facing that now too because i used to be able to go out and give speeches and now i'm doing solo shows, which has its pluses and has its minuses. I really do miss the audience, but there's value in the concentrated nature and lack of distraction from the solo show. Uh, what's that old comedian who's like, hey, don't, don't, don't laugh. Don't laugh. It throws me off. <laughs> so that's one, high, one, one side, which is someone comes along and says, I'm sorry it didn't work out for you, but it's for the best, right? And, and it's fair. It's fair. Bob's a better farmer. Adam Lambert's a better singer right? That's how it rolls, right? Other people are clearly better at navigating not being deplatformed from every major social media platform, right? So they're on, and I'm not. Is it fair? Is it not? Doesn't matter. They clearly made choices that were different than mine. They're better at not being deplatformed. I think I'm better at holding on to the truth, but they're better at not being deplatformed, so... It's fine. It's their choice. Now, that's one person. Now, the other person comes along, and what does he say to Doug? Very briefly, he says to Doug, Oh, man, you got ripped off. You got ripped off. You were a great farmer. But, you know, Bob's just got the connections, man. He's got the juice. He's got the banker in his pocket. He might have sabotaged what you did. He undermined you. He undercut you. He's willing to take a loss, and he's sitting on a pile of money. It's totally unfair. He's willing to take a loss just to buy your farm, just to screw you and throw you off the land. That guy's hated your family forever. Hated your family. His family has hated your family forever. You've been stolen from. You've been robbed. And fuels the resentment. And has the person avoid the bit of mature wisdom of realizing that he's just not a good, as good a farmer as Bob? And people do this with bands, right? Ah, oh, they were a great band, and then they sold out because they had a hit song, right? Or as another friend of mine said, the only people complaining about those who've sold out are people who've never been offered a good price. So the bitter wisdom or the stoked raging resentment is the difference between philosophy and sophistry, between responsibility and socialism or communism, right? So society advances because economic freedoms allow for a meritocracy in the ownership of the means of production in the hands of the most productive, which creates staggering wealth for society as a whole. Like really productive people, it's the difference between destruction and Success. It's not like twice as good or ten times as good. I mean, they create entire industries. If the music industry was composed of your average karaoke singer, there would be no music industry. So having better singers, better songwriters, better performers doing their thing, on better-looking people too, a lot of times, well, having those people do their thing is the only reason why there is a music industry. The music industry wouldn't be only half as big if it used karaoke singers. It wouldn't exist. There would be no 
music industry. So quality is the existence of an entire industry. In the Middle Ages, and it's gotten much better even since then, but in the Middle Ages, agricultural improvements began to yield 5, 10, 15, or sometimes even 20 times the amount of crops that used to be able to be grown. Well, that's the difference between millions of people, tens of millions of people, sometimes hundreds of millions of people over time being alive or being dead. So what happens is economic freedoms, boom, means of production in the hands of the most productive. And unfortunately, the market for petty resentment is almost infinite. The market for raging, resentful, frustrating, angry, bitter, negative, hostile, they stole from you, they exploited from you, they hate you, you've got to get your own back, and you used to be a great landowner, now you're sitting in a gutter, and it's his fault. And right, the, the demon stokers of inevitable resentments. Well, those people come along, and they reverse the situation, right? They reverse the situation. And what happens is people end up getting so angry, so enraged, their pettiness and their resentment is so stoked that what happens is they end up demanding that the government return the wealth to them. Now, this doesn't often mean that the, they say to the government, you've got to give me my farm back, because, you know, farming is a lot of work. <laughs> right? Getting money for free, so to speak, is not a lot of work, but farming is a lot of work. So Doug, if he listens to person A, who says the bitter wisdom of you weren't very good at it, it's better for society, you'll find something better to do that's more suited to you. Well, a few people will listen to that, and they will succeed thereby, but most people will listen to the demon sowers of resentment and start charging the government, charging at the government and saying, uh, well, you've got to, you know, we're, we're poor, we're unhappy, we're uh, exploited, we're blah, 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 and people have stolen stuff from us and you've got to give us money back or we're going to riot. So instead of being paid for a positive, you end up being paid to avoid a negative, right? So instead of uh, you've produced a beautiful painting, it's the, and you get paid a thousand dollars. Instead, you pay a thousand dollars to the mafia guy every month so he doesn't burn down your store, right? The shakedown, right? And the shakedown is occurring, of course, throughout most of the Western world at the moment, wherein if people don't get paid, well, they burn shit down, right? And they riot, and and for various reasons of political correctness, you can't deal with the riots and all that, right? So you end up with resources flowing away from the productive towards the unproductive again. Now, the currency is the key here, because the currency is given value by the productivity of the competent, the hyper-competent, the prices law square root thing that I've talked about a million times before. Square root of a million. <laughs> a thousand? Yeah. So in a company of a million people, a thousand people produce half the value. <laughs> so, so the currency has value because of the productive people, but as the sophists begin to whip the unproductive or less productive people into... And here's the thing, too. The bitter wisdom is designed to release you into being more productive somewhere else. Most people have something that they could be really good at and being productive at. doesn't mean that they'll be Elon Musk or whoever, right? But most people have something they'll be productive at and good at. And the resentment mongers, right? The demonic sowers of 
hatred, well, what happens is they trap people into this resentment, which means that they don't have enough happiness or expectation of bliss to find something that they're good at that makes them happy. It's sort of like a guy has a couple of bad relationships and then someone comes along and says all women are trash and, and they lie about uh, all women being exploiters and they talk about uh, you know MGTOW and they talk about uh, the, the um, hypergamy and, and then they, they then create so much fear, rage and resentment in the male towards the female that now he's just never going to get, he's never going to fall in love, he's never going to find a quality woman because he's, he's so full of anger, rage and resentment, right? It's the same thing. Uh, if Doug is not a great farmer, maybe he could be a great uh, musician. Maybe he could be a great producer of pastel watercolors. Maybe he could be a great TV host. Or maybe, whatever, right? Maybe he could be the great owner of a convenience store. Who knows, right? But because people focus on, people, the sophists will trigger Doug to focus on what was stolen, how angry he is, how resentful he is, how the system screws people like him, he can never get ahead, it's unjust, it's unfair. He gets so full of hatred, bile, and negativity that he's got no capacity to follow anything positive, right? So you end up with a whole bunch of people who were told capitalism is evil, the free market is exploitive, only all rich people are bastards. That destroys their capacity, joy, and desire for success. As I thrashed my way through life, failing at a variety of things and doing mediocre or fairly well at a variety of things, I just kept trying. You just, just keep trying. You know, if you try on three pairs of shoes and they don't fit very well, what do you do? Burn down the <laughs> shoe store? No, you just keep trying different shoes. And if you can't find any that fit, you make some that fit. Whatever, right? You just keep trying. Just keep swimming. <laughs> just keep swimming. So... Currency is given value, right? Dollars are given value by the productivity of people. But then people are herded into this unproductive dead swamp lagoon of resentment and rage where they can no longer be productive or be happy. And then what they do is instead of turning to the sophists and say, you, you assholes completely lied to, to me, to us. You lied to us. And you manipulated us for the sake of becoming enforcers for your own sick and twisted ideology. Uh, they, they instead, because they've, like once you get people to give up any capacity for bliss, you kind of own them in a very fundamental way. Once you, give, once you get people to give up the chance of, of joy, of productivity, uh, finding their, their bliss, uh, you, you kind of own them. Because we get one short life. And if people end up giving up any chance of happiness they have for the sake of resentment, then the opportunity costs that they've given up in terms of basically just being able to be happy have become so extreme that they can't possibly question the ideology that has sucked all the life and joy out of them. I mean, there's a reason why you can become a vampire relatively easily, but not becoming a vampire is impossible. Because once you've been talked into giving up any capacity you have for joy, you can't question the ideology that you've been infected with. I mean, you can, if you're going to do it, you've got to do it pretty quickly. It's like for me... If somebody owes me an apology and they know me, they know they owe me an apology. If it doesn't happen within 24 hours, it's never going to happen. It's never once happened in my life, my personal life, where someone's owed me an apology, and 24 hours has passed, and if I don't get the apology, I just know it's never coming, and then I have to accept that the behavior is going to repeat itself. 
and I have to make my decisions thereby. Which is why when I, when I owe someone an apology, I will say it right away. Right away. And even, okay, I'm trying to think, ah, forget it, too, too obscure, it doesn't matter, right? But yeah, you got to do it right away. And so if somebody tries to tempt you into this rage and resentment, you've been stolen from, the system is rigged, blah, blah, blah. I mean, is the system rigged? Yeah, of course it is rigged to some degree. Systems have always been rigged, but we still have a good deal of freedom in the world as it stands, certainly more than just about any time in human history. So um, <laughs> quit whining and get busy. But if you have been infected with the can't win, don't try, system rigged, exploitation, bast, everyone who's wealthy is a bastard, everyone who's productive is a, is a thief, and then you give up any chance of joy or happiness because of that, you know, you, you, you spend a couple of years in that swamp and miasma of, of rage and resentment. Uh, you, you mean, you're done, man. You, you, you can't turn around. And if it's been 10 years or 20 years or 30 years, you can't turn around. It's too painful. It's too painful to say, man, I got suckered by demon seeds whispering petty rage and resentment into my ear. And I, I, I blew my life. I lost my life. I gave up my life. I gave up any chance I had of happiness, and I actually clawed down the happiness of others. It's one thing if you lose your own chance for happiness. I think you can survive that. But if you then go out and spread this ideology and take away the happiness of others, so to speak, I mean, there's still free will, but you still you have to have the counter-arguments around for the most part in order to have a choice, right? Have a choice. So, I mean, if somebody told you magic words that had you be free of gravity... Would you be responsible for subjecting yourself to gravity for your whole life? Well, no. You didn't know these words. Nobody else knew the words. You never saw an example that was counter. Or even heard of one. So, freedom gives rise to productivity. Productivity gives rise to the value of currency. But then people get resentful. They get angry. They feel stolen from. And rather than finding some other bliss where they could add to human value, they end up screaming at the government to give them resources because they never had a chance and they're owed because of X, Y, and Z historical grievance or uh, the rich are exploiting them and they're poor, it's not their fault, and right, this helplessness. Helplessness to gather resources because helplessness, particularly when you have female voters, evokes a maternal instinct. And the maternal instinct is really hard to fight. If you, if you, helplessness among men breeds aggression. Helplessness among women reads aggression from women against men so that men will give resources to the helpless so women can feel virtuous and maternal, right? And so that's kind of how, how that rolls, and which is why societies rarely survive. Suffrage as a whole, female suffrage in particular. So, so the currency gains value because the means of production are in the hands of the smart and very productive people, and then the currency gets destroyed by the greed and entitlement of the resentful groups, right? Or the resentful people, the angry, embittered people, right? The dugs, not the bobs. The bobs create value in currency, and then the currency gets diluted because you don't want to kill the goose that lays the golden egg, so instead you go to money printing and debt, right? Governments don't want to tax Bob for everything that Doug wants because it will quickly destroy. Like the scam of resentment is kept alive through debt. Right, the scam of, oh, I'm exploited, I'm helpless, I'm poor. Blah, blah. That's all kept alive through debt. The bullshit that people spew to create resentment is kept alive through debt. Because if Bob said, 
oh, Doug stole my farm from me. I'm going to run to the government. And then the government gives the farm back, let's say for whatever reason. Well, Bob wakes up the next day and says, man, I hate farming. <laughs> the first thing he's going to want to do is he's going to want to sell the farm back to Bob. <laughs> right? I mean, he's not going to want to keep it. So Doug doesn't want Bob's farm. What Doug wants is Bob's money. But the government can't take Bob's money directly because then Bob is going to retire. He's going to shut things down and retire because everybody wants a piece of Bob, and so if Bob's tax rates go up to 80%, Bob's going to sit there and say, I'm not getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and milking cows and doing all of that, hoeing the back 40 and repairing fences and bailing hay and crap like I'm doing that for 20 cents on the dollar in the same way that the Beatles didn't want to pay 95% of their money to the government, so they relocated to another country, as did the socialists uh, U2 and, and Bono and all these kind of idiots, right? That's okay. They, they're about as good at economics as I am at music. It's just that I know that I'm not that great at music. They think that they're geniuses at economics. But anyway, so, so it has to be based on debt. Because debt is the only way that resentment can be paid off and Bob can remain productive. Now, debt, of course, ends up growing. And so because debt ends up growing, you end up printing a bunch of money. Now, the value of the currency that was created by Bob's productivity and is diluted by Doug's rage, resentment, and greed, well, the currency begins to fall apart. Now... The fiat currency, right? Fiat currency begins to fall apart. Which is why socialism and communism always start with governments taking over currency. And once governments take over education, then currency, it's just a matter of time. So the currency begins to lose its value. Certain amount of debt, certain amount of money printing, and the, the um, currency begins to lose its value. And then, you know, they'll try and crank up the taxes, and they'll try and create these weird categories called speculation instead of investment and all of that. And they'll just try and, because they've created this army of resentment and people who are, who've now been, have been lied to, bribed, and destroyed by sophistry, right? So they can't, they can't turn back. Somebody's just spent 10 years wasted 10 years of their life in resentment and poisoned a whole bunch of other people's minds, they can't turn around. They can't turn around and say, oh, I guess it was wrong. It's not again. So when the currency begins to lose its value, then limited assets are the ones that have real value, right? The currency begins to lose its value, then houses real estate, gold, ammo, weapons, food, all of these things that are real, real, those things begin to gain in value. And there's a transfer of wealth from those who saw the inflation coming to those who didn't see the inflation coming. And there's a transfer of wealth back, right? So Doug produces, uh, Bob produces all this wealth Doug is lied into believing he it was ripped off and then he runs to the government and the government takes wealth from Bob and gives it to Doug. So there's a net transfer. There's a transfer of wealth or a transfer of, of resources, transfer of the means of production from 
dark to Bob, then Doug runs to the government and there's a transfer of, re of money, cash, from Bob to Doug. But then, eventually, because Doug now lives on currency, in other words, he lives on debt and inflation, he starts to lose his money. He starts to lose his wealth, his income. You can see this with people on fixed incomes when inflation hits. Now, it's this tide. You think of those those funny machines, like not machine machines really, they're like wide, clear oblongs with that weird lava goo in it. It's like melted candle wax rolling back and forth. It was a big thing in the 70s, right? So this is the rolling back and forth, sloshing back and forth. Right? Bob makes money, buys up Doug's stuff, Doug gets resentful, runs to the government, government takes money from Bob and gives it to Doug, but in fact is mostly taking it for money printing and debt. And then Bob's assets, which are land and machinery and real things, become more valuable. And then Doug's money becomes, becomes less valuable. So that which is limited and that which is actual becomes more valuable. And if Bob, being a smart guy, has bought up a bunch of gold, then the value of his gold relative to Doug's diminishing currency value goes up, of course, and it's all... Uh, so then there's this massive transfer of wealth back to Bob from Doug. This is a cycle of civilization, or civilization and then decay, right? Civilization and then destruction. Now, the more portable the resource, the more free it is, right? So capital is more portable than land. And so when capital became portable in a way that land is not, then certain freedoms had to be accorded because capital can go just about anywhere and countries were competing. And you see this happening in the world now too. Countries were com are competing to try and attract as much capital as possible because capital can move anywhere. Uh, gold's pretty portable, pretty portable for sure. But nothing's more portable than crypto, than cryptocurrency. It is mathematically limited. I'm talking about Bitcoin, but it's 21 million and change. So it's, I mean, say infinitely portable. It's virtually infinitely portable. Uh, storage costs are, are cheap, and it's gaining value relative to currency. So the people who have invested in a portable, scarce resource, gold, was the traditional one. People who've invested, or it could be diamonds, right? But people who've invested in a portable scarce resource, a limited resource, the money flows back to them from the people who destroyed the currency through res resentment and greed. And, you know, I've talked about Doug the bad farmer, but the big one is, uh, uh, you know, the, the military-industrial complex and the greedy capitalists, the crony capitalists, and the single moms and uh, welfare recipients and the lazy and all of that. I remember being in California some years ago, sitting on a bus with a guy who was telling me all about how he had a real bad back injury, uh, and the only way that he could cure it was to go surfing. I'm like, <laughs> dude, if you could surf, you could work. But uh, it's much more fun to go surfing than it is to go working, right? Obviously, in, in the moment, right? Then what happens is you end up being... 40, creaky, your body's a wreck, and you've got nothing to show for anything. Your life's been destroyed, right? 
greed, resentment, whatever, right? You feel entitled. Entitlement and resentment are two sides of the same coin. You resent people so that you can exploit them with less guilt, right? And you think you're getting away with something because you don't believe in God, but the conscience is omniscient and omnipresent and universal, really. UPB is another name for the conscience, which is why people get so mad at the UPB, because it provokes their conscience, which they don't like if they've done very bad things in the world, like poisoning other people's minds with rage, resentment, and helplessness. So, what, the whole point of this, this case, Your Honor, the whole point of this case is to tell you, you don't have to worry about it. So how on earth are all of these resources going to get distributed uh, I- I- when the government uh, is, is no longer accepted as a moral agency or entity? It doesn't matter. It doesn't, because by that time, the wealth transfer to the people who are smart and productive and have forethought and, and invest in limited things rather than fiat currency, all of that, right, all of that resource transfer will have largely completed by that time. And the store of wealth will have swung back from Doug to Bob, from the resentful to the productive. And so the massive stores of wealth that will occur among those who've invested in limit, limited portable resources like crypto, um, I mean, they'll just have so much uh, wealth relative to the rage and the resentment and the helplessness and so on, that it will flow to what, whatever resources are out there will flow to the most productive. Now, again, this cycles like crazy, right? So smart people, like super smart people have smart children, right? But not as smart as they are, but smarter than the average. In the same way that people who are not smart at all have children smarter than they are, but probably not as smart as the average. But there is a churn and there's a cycle and all of that. So as far as, you know, who's going to run the auction? How is it going to be distributed? How We have no idea what the economy is going to look like in however many years it takes to have a general conversation about a stateless society. We have no idea. But we do know this, that currency becomes less and less valuable. Right? The value of fiat currency is inversely proportional to the amount of resentment and rage in society, entitlement, helplessness. And it's pretty bad out there, man. It's pretty bad. Very bad out there. It's rage, resentment. It's horrifyingly high levels, right? And that's, that means that the currency is being undermined, if not destroyed, with extraordinary rapidity. And I mean, that's how communists work, right? They stoke resentments to destroy the currency. And then they say the capitalism doesn't work, we need central planning. And then they, they use the dugs, and then they generally kill the dugs. In the same way that you will uh, use a car until it's uh, too expensive to maintain, and then you'll junk it, right? And it's the same thing, right? They'll, they'll use the dugs to destroy the bobs, and then they'll just destroy the ducks. Um, that's just a tragic thing about the people who end up being dependent on these kinds of ideologies. They end up uh, just being consumed, so... 
Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. However the resources play out, there's not going to be a big government auction block. There's going to be a market for both, you know, hardworking people who want to go out and homestead land and for people who've been smart enough to see what's coming and store their value in crypto and so on. So, yeah, don't worry about it. The cycle of civilization does not have to be thought out to the nth degree by you, however many decades or centuries it's going to be before people are able to have or willing to have a rational conversation about a stateless society. So, how will resources be allocated post-state? I don't care. doesn't matter. And, last but not least, people will work it out. <laughs> Thank you so much. Freedomain.com forward slash donate. If you would help out the show, I'd really, really appreciate it. Freedomain.com forward slash donate. Don't forget to get So great, great, great. Man, you're missing out. You're totally missing out if you don't listen to this audiobook fdrurl.com forward slash almost or freedomain.com forward slash almost. And don't forget to check out my documentaries. Poland, California, Hong Kong. Freedomain.com forward slash documentaries. Oh, yeah, one more. Okay. Freedomain.com forward slash newsletter. To sign up for the newsletter is pretty important. And freedomain.com forward slash connect to check out various places you can follow me. Trust me. After 2020... I am hedging my bets. Thanks, everyone, so much. Lots of love from up here. Take care. I'll talk to you soon.